is the preview for the Partially Examined Life, Episode 261, Part 2, covering personal identity as depicted in Derek Parfit's Reasons and Persons from 1984. I'm going to play two sections here. First is right at the beginning and picks up where Part 1 left off. Seth, you were going to talk a little bit about what he's actually trying to show with his spectra thought experiments, which is that we ought to be reductionists. And so how do they show that? This is at the end of 85, not page, but section 85. So when we considered the psychological spectrum, which was Parfit's initial hypothesis, the psychological continuity When we considered the psychological spectrum, Williams's argument seemed to show that psychological continuity is not necessary for personal identity. Physical continuity would be sufficient. When we consider the physical spectrum, a similar argument seems to show that physical continuity is not necessary for personal identity. Psychological continuity would be sufficient. We could accept both of these conclusions. We could claim that either kind of continuity provides personal identity. Although this hybrid view is coherent, it is open to grave objections. One objection arises if we combine not our two conclusions, but the two arguments for these conclusions. So, yeah, so he's setting us up for the 86, the combined spectrum. Exactly, exactly. But I think the key thing here is that this, I think, gets at part of what's really perplexing about this issue is that we can take each physical atom or piece and replace it with an identical one. And so there's no physical continuity over time. But because of the, you know, it just goes back to this qualitative and numerical identity that you seem to be able to object to either one of them being sufficient by recourse to the opposite. So it seems as though the two things are necessary, which is kind of where I got to. I thought the quote that you read is, is good. And the way I would summarize it is that William's holds one side of the problem constant, the thing that's experiencing the pain, the physical part, and changes the psychological part. And in the psychological spectrum cases, you hold the psychological piece constant and you change the physical part in a variety of ways. And that's what he says at the end of that section is you seem to come up with, you know, get to the same thing that in each case you can keep one the same but change the other. So they would seem to be refuting each other. It can't be both consistent, right? And so then you're going to try to do the combined spectrum. You're going to try to change them both. Right. They're not refuting each other, but they're showing that either one is sufficient, right? Neither is necessary. Both together are sufficient. Refuting is is the wrong way. But what you would say is that you've used the psychological spectrum case to refute William's argument in the sense of applying it against it. You have two things where they seem to be coming to opposite conclusions. This is the reductio ad absurdum part of it, right? So now he's going to come to the final piece and say, well, let's just combine them together. And maybe that's the answer. Let's read from 86, the combined spectrum then. So at the near end of the spectrum is the normal case in which a future person would be fully continuous with me as I am now, both physically and psychologically. At the far end of the spectrum, the resulting person would have no continuity with me as I am now, either physically or or psychologically, the destroying my brain and body and creating out of new organic matter a perfect replica of someone else. Let's call it Greta Garbo. So we finally get the explanation of Seth's opening joke. (laughs) So we just do it a couple cells at a time. The new cells are not duplicates. We're not saying psychology is continuous while physiology is the same. And neither are we saying that the physiology is the same while the psychology is moving as, as Williams did. We are just straight up replacing the whole thing with something else. So clearly, 
I on one end am not the same being as the one on the other end, but what do we do with the fact that only one element is being changed at a time? Where can we, in a principled way, draw a line between when I stop and the Greta Garbo clone starts? And he says, no, that you can't actually draw a line that's not arbitrary. And so, therefore, the whole idea of personal identity makes no sense. There's going to be a place where either changing one neuron makes it a whole different person in the middle, which seems very, very silly. A non-reductionist, though, could just say, well, we can still do Williams' pain experiment, right? And they would just say, it doesn't matter whether you're Greta Garbo or Mark. That's not what I mean by identity. What I mean by identity is the subject of the experiences, the person who's feeling the pain. So I keep you in pain the whole time that's your transitioning, transitioning, <laughs> turning from Mark into Greta Garbo. And all that qualitative change doesn't matter because you're still a numerically identical subject. And you might even say that even if you're molecule by or, or cell by cell, changing the brain. You could say, well, somehow there's still some sort of numerical identity maintained. So how do we get around the objection to the non-reductionist who wants to say something like that? At the end of 10, page 216, we were going over what the reductionist view was. And Wes, you were summarizing basically what he's going to say, he's, that he's going to argue for the following conclusions. Now, one that we didn't bring up, I don't think, is number two. He says, that he's going to argue for, it is not true that our identity is always determinate. I can always ask, am I about to die? But it's not true that in every case, this question must have an answer, which is either yes or no. And sometimes this would be an empty question. We talked about it a little bit, but that's, I think, the nub here, right? Is that in the brain case, if you're insisting about the pain example, is you're insisting that there is a determinate answer to the question, am I about to die? And so Parfit's answer is that there are cases where that's just not a determinate answer. Well, he's saying it's indeterminate unless we're non-reductionists. And then non-reductionists would say there are separately existing entities. So if I were a non-reductionist, I would just say, okay, the, I want to say there's a separately in existing entity. They're the subject. There's the one, they're one who's in pain. The pain and the person who are in pain do not change no matter how much qualitative change you do and no matter how much brain change you do. All right, so now we're going to jump forward to the next topic we consider in part two on split brains. But basically, I mean, the, the idea is that you could take, we know from operations on epileptics that we only need one hemisphere of our brain to survive. They'll do an operation where they essentially destroy or remove one hemisphere. It's a little more sophisticated now. They don't destroy all of it for various reasons, but it's been done and you can do it in a young child with almost no loss of functionality or little loss and the functionality is quickly regained. And you can even do it in adults. There's more severe loss of functionality in the near term, but some people have regained all functionality with just one hemisphere. And there's certainly no reason to believe that they become different people. So in other words, pick a hemisphere, <laughs> my brain, destroy it. I'm still Wes. So therefore, let's do the thought experiment where I take one half of my brain and I put it in an identical body, maybe a twin who's lost their brain in a car accident. And now I've done an interesting branch off in two directions, which doesn't simply involve the cloning teletransportation experiment. And the question is, did I survive? Did original West with two hemispheres die? And now there's two new people who are exactly like him. 
And the reason why that question is important is because intuitively, the way we intuitively think about this is, is we're like, okay, I'm here inside my stream of consciousness and it gets divided. Which branch do I go into? <laughs> right? Where does my subjectivity go? It's got to go to one or the other. And I have no principled way of deciding which it does. And of course, Parfit is going to say that's because that intuition is wrong. But I think that is the basic intuition. So can we maybe try to clarify this a little bit more? Because as we've gone through here, I've lost my thread on what's at stake. And Maybe a little bit of it is thinking along the lines of what Mark was saying. Is like, well, why does it matter right now? Like in the case where I have my two has my brain get put into two different people, there's going to be an experience where I am me and then I go to sleep because I have this operation and then two people walk away. And they start out at that point with the memories and the state of being before I had the operation and then they just move along and they're separate. So this doesn't seem like a philosophical problem to you? You don't see what the problem is? or Well, I want to understand what's at stake about it because it's just a sort of a fact of the matter that I go from there's one and there's two then. And there's sort of the fact that they would branch off because they're now numerically different, that they start having different sets of experiences. And I'm just wondering, is what's at stake is that I'm wondering, did I actually, did I die and now I'm two? What's the question that gives me angst about it? It's just that identity is supposed to be a one-to-one relation. And so if you say that both of these branches are continuous with you, the source you, then you should be identical with both because you have enough material continuity and you have enough psychological continuity. But yet, clearly, because identity is a one-to-one relation, you can't actually non-uniquely related to both of them. So so now I feel like I see something that like a, a philosophical hang up about identity being one to one. I mean a river branches into two things, right? A river doesn't have a stream of consciousness. It has a stream, but it doesn't there's no consciousness in it. We have intuitions <laughs> about consciousness that differ from things like streams and because we think of it as indivisible and there's a hard boundary and it's something that can be terminated. And I think that's the important part, right? So if I go to sleep tonight, there's a question of whether I'm actually going to wake up in the morning because I might have a heart attack in my sleep and then the movie stops, right? There's nothing, nothing more goes on in my stream of consciousness or does it continue? And then the question is if I go to sleep and instead of having a heart attack, someone takes two halves of my brain and puts them in different bodies. I know it's not only the case that I that the movie stops. I don't just not wake up. But where do I wake up? You know, one person is in Florence and the other is in Vermont. Where do I wake up? Where do I wake up the next morning? But yeah. even even the bodies that they put them in, because that might matter if one of them was in your twin brother and one of them was in the Greta Garbo body. No, but they're both in the clones or you are triplets and they, it's a ridiculous setup, but. I know I might not wake up, right? So that's a coherent idea, apparently. Although I think the upshot of this is it isn't. Like the, co- the idea of death turns out to be incoherent, but let's leave that aside for now. If I think the idea of death is incoherent and the idea that I just might not wake up, the movie stops, then I think it's a legitimate question to say, where do I wake up tomorrow? And if my brain splits and I'm essentially cloned and there's there's two of me, do I wake up in Vermont or do I wake up in Florence or do I not wake up? And then there's just two exactly similar people whose movies are just beginning. 
Or that you wake up in both places. Those are the yeah. four options. Okay. Maybe I'm just convinced by Parfit that it's indeterminate and it's a kind of non-question. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelife.com slash support and sign up for membership either on our site or on patreon.com slash partiallyexaminelife. Thanks for listening. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.